and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Vogelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 463, I believe. I think so. Yeah. What are we talking about tonight? Are we talking? It's the first episode of the new year. Are we talking Green Lantern, perchance? Nah. We, we, have, a couple, <laughs> we have a couple more weeks for that. <laughs> this is our, and for us, this is timely these days. Uh, uh, we will be doing Spider Man No Way Home. Had to resist the urge to stay far from home. Yeah. Uh, I got to see it. I did. It was uh, it was awesome. We, it, it, I almost didn't because we tried to. My brother-in-law uh, was downsized from his job, so he was free. But then my uh, his sister, uh, she's a nurse, so she's on call, so her schedule's crazy. When the day she's not on call, are kind of wonky. Her husband, who we were also going to go see with it, Rashad, he's a realtor as well as a uh, high school coach uh, and teacher. So his schedule's all whacked up, but just we were going to try and get all four of us, uh, actually five of us, including my sister, to be able to go. But there was just <laughs> there's just no way because not not just not just including uh, their schedules, but the fact that Rashad and Livy have two little girls. And <laughs> now my sister's got River and, and my nephew, Dean. So it's like <laughs> we we'd have to get all five of us schedules aligned. Not only that align the schedule so that the grandparents could watch all four little kids. Uh, and that just wasn't going to happen. So my brother-in-law and I ended up going just by ourselves to the theater across the street, which is a chain I've never been to called uh, Evo, Evo mm. Entertainment. It's a, it's, it's like a big, it's a big entertainment center. It's like there's an arcade in there, a bowling alley, and then like a full-fledged movie theater. And, and I don't just mean like, um, like you know, one showroom or two. It's it's like a regular movie theater plus a whole portion of the building specifically set aside for bowling and arcades. Have you, do you guys have those up there? Have you seen them? I have not seen those. No. That was a interesting experience. Um, but you know, hey, not bad. Uh, normally I try to go to Alamo's, but that's neither here nor there. I basically all that to say, I almost didn't get a chance to see it. So I'm I'm glad I did. It was a it was a fun flick. And that way it prevented us from having to bump you for one of the early episodes of the year. <laughs> Jim was warming up in the bullpen. He was ready to go. <laughs> so uh, where, where do we want to start with it? I don't even know where to start with this. Uh, I guess I guess general thoughts based on our expectation, because Lord knows this, this movie, besides having a huge want to see factor, it also had an incredibly high expectation factor. So it's when, whenever you have that up going for a movie, there's always a chance that you could fail to meet that satisfaction plat- level or plateau for a lot of people. So did did it did it meet or exceed your expectations? Um, 
No. Well, I, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, no, I, I, I'd say it met. Oh, we can get into it more, maybe. Um, but I think maybe just saying this is point enough. I love these movies. First of all, I love this trilogy. You know, at the end of the day, I come away liking each of these movies. That being said, I feel like there's something to general non-cosmic related, non-Avengers related, just general Spidey action that we haven't seen for a long time that I kind of miss from Spider-Man films. It's all just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger as opposed to more friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And I feel like I do miss that more and more as this series has gone on. Uh, So I think I think based on, you know, leaks and trailers and talks and interviews and all that stuff that you, you one can experience leading into this movie, I would say. I would say it met expectations and in a couple of places, there were still some good surprises. Even if you had your kind of, you weren't actively looking for spoilers, but you know, maybe you saw some here and there, even if you did that, there were still a couple of good fun moments that didn't get spoiled for you. But I, I I do miss some friendly neighborhood action from this franchise. Um, And I really felt that with this movie more than any of the others, but Again, that being said, met expectations in some places exceeded them. And I, I came I came out of the theater enjoying and having a good long conversation with my brother-in-law about it. So, well, you should have been happy with the ending then based on what you want, what you want to see going forward. That is true. Uh, I would say for me. I'm trying to think. I definitely, it definitely met my expectations. I'm trying to say objectively if it exceeded my expectations because it's kind of hard to exceed. And again, like like you mentioned, that this movie was surprisingly easy to get all the important spoilers for. Probably uh, like two days before, it, uh, at least one full day before it opened here in the U.S. It opened here on a, on Thursday, but the 17th, I think, 16th or 17th, whatever the hell. The 17th was a Friday. So the 16th would have been the the actual premiere here. It was really easy on I think the Wednesday and the Thursday, right when ours was opening. To basically, if you wanted to know everything about this movie, that it didn't take a lot of googling to stumble into it. Or not even even if you've watched anything on about Spider-Man, it probably would just come up in your feed. I mean, some of these videos. So all yeah. the whole thing about you know answering the question whether Andrew and Toby were in the movie. That again, we all suspected they were regardless of the the very good denials by Andrew Garfield that we all suspected they were in the movie, but, the, but if you needed confirmation, yeah, there were, there was confirmation uh, about that. The credit, you know, the, the credit scenes, the, the ending of the movie, the reveal of the new suit at the end, wherever he put the old suits would be interesting because they probably, they probably will make an appearance again at some point. <laughs> Cause it's not like they were, it's not like the suits were destroyed. It's just that, but nonetheless, I think it met my expectations. It was really, it was really, really enjoyable. Yeah. I think if, if if anything exceeded my expectations, it probably was just the overall enjoyment in the performances that you got by some of the re- some of the returning, most of the returning characters from previous movies. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll, I think we everybody agrees. I mean, not not just Spider Man Two, but I think Alfred Merlina is just just proves again and again and again how great of an actor he is just generally speaking and then of course Willem Dafoe so yeah well yeah well 
it's not like he had a dram- I'm trying to phrase this the best way. It's not like this version of Norman Osborn is significantly different than the original version of Norman Osborn, but you it it may have you may have had a little more nuance because of the, maybe just because of what that what the character was supposed to be doing this time around maybe, but it just but it just re- it reminds you of how good he was as that character. Yes, he doesn't look a damn thing like Norman Osborn, but the fact that but he but he captured you know he captured enough of the essence and and the duality between of the Goblin and, and Osborn maybe arguably more than you really get in the comic books because you really don't you don't get that much of the duality between Norman and and the, the Goblin really clashing other than they just kind of like phase in and, and out that one's in, one's in control and then Norman doesn't know what's going on or what happened when he's, when he's back in control. It's not so much having, you know, the angel on your, and the devil on your shoulder talking to you all the time, but I think he did a good job. He's always, always done a good job with that. I'm not sure about the Jamie Foxx electro thing. I guess it's better to see a more serious version of electro. I guess that, I think that kind of works, but still now it's just kind of like Jamie Foxx being Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Uh, so that one was that one was probably less successful, though there were some funny lines in it. I think I think if anything, again, back to how we started down this road here, if anything exceeded my expectations, it probably which was good for him was Andrew Garfield, because I think Garfield really kind of stole this movie. Everybody, you know, everybody was the peop, the person everybody wanted to see was Toby much more than Andrew Garfield. So and, and they kind of almost joke about it in this movie, referencing in a way that. You know, Andrew Garfield is like the sloppy thirds of this tr- of this trio, but he he really brought it. You know, he 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 certainly seemed to a be enjoying himself. He certainly they certainly wrote it well enough to give the character closure in a lot of ways from the last time we saw him, and even some and then even how we're reintroduced to him, and the way he is, and the you know where he is psychologically from the results and the damage from Amazing Spider-Man too. I think it was nice that they they did that. Plus, he was he was funny. And seeing all three of them interact was probably just as good. I think that I think that again, it probably maybe it did slightly exceed my expectation because you kind of hoped it would be good, but you always kind of but there's always a chance it could just be going through the motions, being nothing more than fan service, if you will. But not seeing like these characters actually had could interact or had anything to you know bring to the table together. But I. And if there was a weak point, it still was the idea. It it maybe was Doctor Strange to a certain extent. I mean, they kind of conveniently took Doctor Strange out of the movie because they needed him to get out of the movie, or else we wouldn't have the villains because he would have sent them back. But I thought, and I guess again, like I said, I understand from a plot perspective, you had to have Doctor Strange out of the movie. But I think that while I did enjoy his his back and forth relationship with Peter. I think that kind of sucked. Take I, there was something uneven from a tone perspective when he's out of the movie and then comes back to the movie. Uh, it's also obviously if we want to tie this into some Green Lantern talk, just like we talked about the Dark Stars, that it's obviously seriously morally debatable about whether it was on any level worth the risk of what Peter was ta- doing, regardless of whatever Aunt May would say to him. That risking trillions of lives and the and the, and the stability of the multiverse for five villains that you're not killing to begin with you're just sending them back to where they where they would have always been if you hadn't helped screw up the spell but you're in your desire to try to rehabilitate them and give them a chance 
you're just potentially ruining destroying everything. <laughs> That's a little morally questionable, regardless of the how you spin it. It's like, you know, the needs of the many versus the needs of the few. That was not the way to go. So I think that still was I mean, that was seriously questionable judgment. I know it speaks to the kind of character Peter is and who he is as a person that he would try something like that. But it didn't really seem, I mean, if you want to be objective about it, that seemed like a big risk to take. Yeah. I mean, it, it did, but it, it was done. You look, I can't point to a specific phrase or, or moment or whatever, but it was done in such a way that it didn't take me out of it. Like I can see what you're saying if I sit here and play around with that idea in my head, but Obviously, I, I I agree with what you're saying when I when the, when the idea was first pitched to us, but as the story sort of went along and the things that were said between the characters and stuff like that, I can't tell you at what point I I got on board with it as an idea, but at some point it became easier for me to accept that, that this is something Peter would try. The trying conceptually isn't as much of the issue as, and again, this is this is where you can make the case exiling dr strange and that's and before i finish the thought the exiling of dr strange was an interesting concept anyway because on the surface my natural reaction was there's really though it was the the part that was funny it makes perfect sense is when even though he was separated from his body because of his spider sense every single time dr strange tried to get the box he couldn't <laughs> that was funny that made that it was that makes perfect sense because it's because of his his reflexes in his spider sense that he that he, he's still able to sense what the Doctor Strange is going to do and react ahead of it. I don't know if if I how much I can really buy him beating Doctor Strange in the in the in the mirror dimension. And the only thing that gives a little bit of cover from that was the old line from the original Thor that science and magic are essentially the same thing. So Peter basically beating or equalizing true magic with with science with math. It was a cool scene. I don't know. It kind of, I think it kind of weakens Doctor Strange a little bit. It really, it amps up Peter, but I think it, it kind of weakens Doctor Strange that he's absolutely correct. In that dimension, there should have been, he should have been just a disorientation alone. But then again, Peter with his reflexes and everything. But with the, when taking Doctor Strange hadn't been exiled and Doctor Strange probably would have been able to detect that, hey, you know, the meter's running on this ability for me to actually fix the spell. And that is why that's the part that gets shaky, because, again, if they yes, if Norman Osborn hadn't if the goblin hadn't gobbled, then they would have had this would have been done a lot sooner. And then they probably would have been you maybe they would have been able to basically hit the button on that box and send everybody back uh, before the multiverse started cracking. Just like it's still debatable whether just by Peter Parker at the end saying, you know, basically everybody who knew I was Spider-Man before still knows uh, that that alone would. But then again, we don't know. We still don't know if the multiverse broke really because of botching the spell or because of stuff we're going to see in the multiverse of madness or stuff what Wanda's been doing and, and other things. So that's it's probably more to it than that. It probably just isn't Peter messing up the words in the spell that ended up having that, you know, reverberating through the multiverse. But even we know that's kind of a stretch to sending everybody here, the new Peter Parker. But still, I agree. Try, it's It's a nice concept trying to trying to rehabilitate them, but kind of like the kind of like, you know, a Norman Osborne ish line about, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. It yeah. kind of is typical of Peter. It is typical of Peter Parker though, in his life, considering how the movie ends, especially this version of Peter. Cause he's the youngest we've gotten. In yes. Yeah. yeah. If you think about, and 
it's almost you know and again it's it's it works but it's almost like it gets it's all done to get you to the point at the end of the movie where he's willing to sacrifice everything to fix us fix the stuff that he did that he knows he's the one who, was, who essentially caused all of this and he's willing to basically lose all his personal connections to anybody obviously people still know spider-man and technically any character that inter has interacted with him as spider-man is still going to remember interacting with spider-man but nobody knows who spider-man is and nobody knows who peter parker is that he was willing to sacrifice all of that and obviously go much more low-key and much more low-tech though technically he still would have ties to happy in places like that just on a business level because of the peter the spider-man connections because we know if they do more of these, which there's no reason to think they're not going to for multiple reasons, that they're still going to have to have some MCU interactions because that's what Sony gets out of the deal. <laughs> Sony gets the ties and, and, the, and, the, and the rollover characters into the MC, into their movies. That's that's what Sony really gets from the deal. So even if it's more grounded characters like Daredevil and things like that, they may end up teaming up with Spider-Man in the next movie. And and obviously they're they're trying to move him away from the Avengers and obviously move him away from the Tony Stark legacy. Well, yeah, we also get the secret identities back. Yes. Um, so not, and, and something I was thinking of too, by disassociating the two Peter Parker and, and Spider-Man and making sure nobody knows who Peter Parker is. We get something we haven't seen before yet in this universe, which is broke struggling real world person also superhero because he gets that shitty little apartment and you know like aunt may would have left him something or tony would have made sure peter was taken care of or if anybody knew who peter was still uh, of that ilk he would be financially taken care of in some way not maybe set for life but you know not living out of a shitty apartment you know what i mean so we get you know broke down on his luck struggling peter parker what is interesting is, I guess, I get, I, mean, I guess, by the nature of the spell, yes, every, everybody, even retroactively, who knew Peter Parker but is gone would forget Peter Parker. Though I guess that's somewhat questionable, but because you're thinking about, because Aunt May technically was dead already, and Aunt May, if she had a will, Peter would be in it. <laughs> but you're right. But if you go, but yeah, I, but there, but at this, this the gravesite with Happy, you know, Happy has no idea. Like not even that that she had a any family. You know oh I mean? yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. There's there's there's, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that the, the I think the vibe you're supposed to get is that that no. That's why he's got the like the GED book too. I mean, which makes you wonder yeah. how how the hell he's able to even do anything in society if he's if if all if all the records of Peter Parker were wiped out. Which again, which which is was questionable whether that would be the case because just because nobody remembers him doesn't mean that there wasn't paperwork done regarding him because let's say the thought I was thinking of, let's say he went to the DMV like twice over a two month period before, right before this happened and worked with the same person. If he walked in the third time under normal circumstances and that they would probably remember him and they would remember everything they worked on together. This spell would technically not necessarily mean they never worked on anything together. It's just that they would have no recollection of anything regarding him. So he'd be a complete stranger to them. And if he found and that they had to look up records for a Peter Parker and, that, and something was there, it would mean nothing to them. They would have no recollection that they were the ones who helped him update this or was involved in any of anything to do with him. Hmm. But the GED implies that he never graduated high school, which means that his, his record, 
But then again, it's hard to imagine how could you get an apartment? How could you how could you be in society if you don't have a social security number or anything? So I think there's oh, some in a, in a in a place like that. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Down well, payment, he, there's no lease. <laughs> well, unless he's well, unless he does, unless he's got he does have some decent amount of cash stashed away in which somebody would look the other way about it, which is possible. But but in the beginning, the my original take was it's not like it's not like every physical record of him had to disappear. It's just that nobody remembers a damn thing about him. Uh, that nobody like, Hey, we graduate. Who's this Peter Parker guy. We graduated high school with, I don't remember Peter Parker, things like that. But, or none of the teachers remember, remember him either. But the fact is he could still have a paper trail. It's just that literally everybody's memory of interacting with him kind of, again, somewhat Green Lantern asked kind of like the burden of that Hal had as a specter originally, which they, which they wiped out way too soon, but though I know why they did it that the idea that in the beginning, nobody would know how was the specter. You would know, well, you would know why you were interacting with him, but like about 10 minutes after Hal left, you would have no idea that how the Hal Jordan was the specter. You just remember interacting with the specter that it could have been, that I thought it could have very well been like that from a paper trail perspective that nobody would remember interacting with, with Peter Parker at all. But the fact that, but the trail would still be there. Uh, It's like, uh, yeah, it's like, I have no idea who that guy was, but so, it sets up an interesting dynamic. It's kind of cool to get to to get to give him a more classic Spider-Man suit. Again, question is what he did with the with all the Stark tech that he had. Uh, that, that's that assuming. Yeah, the question just whatever happened, whatever happened to it. It is it is a little sad, even though it doesn't mean they won't undo this at some point that not not the legacy of the technical legacy that he had to, that he should have been carrying on about from tony because he really shouldn't have had to have that burden anyway but the personal interactions and you know he knows his personal connections to even though he still has the memory of tony and depending on you know the afterworld and everything else tony would still have memories of him depending again how that works but losing happy and obviously mj and ned nobody and that was cool not on i mean we've seen stuff like that before though but it still works the idea that he that peter you know his intent is to tell it to remind Ned and MJ who he is. But when he sees that, you know, when, when he sees that bandaid still over her wound, he just, he's reminded of the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, if she finds out who I am and we go back through this whole thing all over again, it's just going to put her at risk again. And he yeah. wasn't and at, at the moment. Anyway, he's not willing to do that. He's willing to lose her and him be miserable just so she could potentially be safe. So, which is very Peter Parker like. Yeah, I mean, it also opens the door for isn't isn't Ned in the comics uh, hobgoblin? He was a one of the multi multitude of identities. The hobgoblin was at, at different points before they did the, the Roderick Kingsley was, I guess, officially the uh, the one who really was the mastermind and, and the true hobgoblin, I think. But yes, he was in the comic book short story, depending on which version of that whole, because I watched a couple of videos on this actually during the break about depending on which version, whether you listen to the, the priestly version or, or the other versions of people who were working at Marvel at the time about who was who made the decision to make Ned Leeds the hobgoblin and who, whether it was done because of a plan or whether it was done to kind of like flip the bird to Roger Stern and who, you know, who, who, created hobgoblin and had and had a plan for who he was going to be and then left because of conflicts i think on the book but yeah and and i think obviously they 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 opened the door for that more not just with the harry osborne references about that 
that uh, Toby talks about. But the fact that now that now that Ned doesn't know who who Peter Parker is anymore. Or, yeah, the, uh, the the previous version of him who did know, who in the movie a few moments earlier had said, "I'll never become your enemy" or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's all. Like, I promise I'll never become a supervillain and try to kill you. Which yeah, which is supposed to be like a pep talk based on fi- the the unnamed, but obviously we know that uh, it, it's a Harry Osborn reference when when Toby is talking about. When he's asked whether he had, he has the best friend, and he said he did, and and kind of gives that <laughs> kind of deadpan version of what happened, which leaves everybody like okay. But yeah, now it 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 was foreshadowed anyway. But now that the fact that he that he doesn't know anything about who doesn't know a Peter Parker, and he isn't friends with Spider Man, yeah, it it certainly opens up the door, opens up the door for that, and the idea of technically it's history. Yeah, history repeating itself too, because even though in the Amazing Spider-Man universe, Harry and Peter are friends or childhood friends, but clearly their relationship was not ever. So the, it certainly was not. If it was ever meant to be that way, it never came across that they were anything as near as close as the Franco, Tobey Maguire, Harry and Peter. But just the idea that yes, your Spider-Man and his best friend are destined to be, you know, at odds and villains. And heroes against each other at some point that yeah you can you can certainly see that being more likely now because of the way this this movie ends yeah for sure what was i gonna say oh yeah uh what about some of the specific uh points of the movie arcs moments lines anything like that because i feel like we've been talking broad strokes uh we don't obviously have to do a scene by scene no i know um Obviously, we know there's uh, lots of quotable Norman Osborn lines. Uh, that's that's that was that was a given. We were we were gonna we were gonna get that. He but he was a steel scener as we probably expected him to be. You, I, you say a steel scener? Oh, a scene scene stealer. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. <laughs> my, my tongue is dyslexic for the evening. Hey, that that's not that's not easy to say, even especially not intentionally. <laughs> a scene stealer. Uh, maybe I'll leave that one in. Uh, there were some funny band. You know, Doctor Strange is always sarcastic and has some funny lines. I think. I'm trying to think. I wish they would have taken the Scooby Doo this shit out of the trailer. That would have hit better. Just. In just regularly in the movie in the process. yeah but but I, but but true I do think the fact that at least we got the version we got in the movie of Scooby Doo the shit versus Scooby Doo this crap I yeah. do think it worked better but you're right it probably would have been better if it had not if it hadn't been at all in the trailer because that whole interaction at the sanctum actually does work a lot better in the movie than you than you probably th- thought it was going to be uh, how more effective than you thought it, it was going to be based based on the the trailer yeah i think uh, one of my favorite lines was uh towards the end when all three of the spideys are together and like uh, spider uh, our, our spider-man is like i'm an avenger and toby goes oh really oh cool like and for half a second you think oh shit is there an avengers in his universe and then he goes oh i mean i don't know what that is and, it's, and then garfield spider-man is like you in a band <laughs> you in a band <laughs> <laughs> which all you know which also comes into play and the, and, and it's they are the whole well they're funny together but the exchange is funny but it also works because it also cre- shows you why they're having problems in the beginning because the only one who's even 
close to having any experience. And it's still really very slim experience uh, because he mostly was working by himself wherever he was anyway, was working with a team at all is ours, the MCU Spider-Man. Everybody else yeah. is used to working on their own. So having to, having to work as, as a tree, as a trio, even though you can make the case that at least Toby worked with, you know, Toby had to fight with uh, Harry at the end of Spider-Man three. So at least he got a little bit. That was a, that was a funny, there were, there were some, there were some like touching lines. I mean, I thought the, I thought the Toby Doc Ock reunion was good. I thought that was pretty powerful. You know, it, it, it wasn't long. It was, it was subtle, but they, they both pulled that off very, very well. You know, it, it made sense that again, from a story, a story arc perspective, we all we knew Doc Ock was the easiest to quote unquote fix because the only reason he's he was a bad guy to begin with is because the uh, inhibitor chip got destroyed and and he couldn't and the arms were controlling him and he couldn't control the arms so that was the easiest fix you knew going in logically that was the easiest fix um, I'm kind of surprised that they and who knows maybe we would find out at some point they did do something like this that it was almost using nanotech again to fix that just in case it got damaged again it would repair itself. He was the most logical one to always be cured the quickest and to help based again, to keep the character intact to where he was when he quote unquote died. He kind of died a hero in Spider-Man two, that it made sense that he would be the one helping. He would be helping them and being willing to help not just our Peter, but the Spider-Man in general. Same thing. I liked, I liked on that level, what they did with Sandman that we, again, we don't know the gaps that have happened between, you know spider-man 3 and other stuff in the toby Maguire universe but it was good to see that peter and uh sandman were still on good terms in that universe that they that understanding of not a friendship but that forgiving each other if you will for dif- that just accepting the way things were that 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 status quo kind of carried over the lizard of course was disappointing but the lizard was kind of disappointing and amazing spider-man an amazing spider-man and because they had been building towards the Dylan Baker version of that all throughout the Sam Raimi trilogy, and we never got it. It was good they finally did the power, you know, the great with great power comes great responsibility line. Yeah. Uh, twice. I mean, technically Aunt May saying it, but then t- Toby getting you knew Toby was going to say that in part, if not all of that line. So I thought that was I thought that was a lot of the stuff with Andrew Garfield. Like I said, I think he stole the show really. Yeah, as far for sure. I, it was very powerful, the stuff that he had. It was real emotion, t- you know, talking about Gwen, talking about, the, you know, the regrets that he had about, you know, and how he stopped, pull- you know, he started basically not pulling punches and, be- you know, becoming reckless and dangerous and just being bitter. And, and you know, that's what happened to him. And I just and well, I he's just, also he, he also is not just the lines, but the stuff even when he wasn't speaking. He was kind of a scene stealer because there's that moment where he, where Toby's talking about the the fact that he doesn't have mechanical web shooters or whatever, and there, then the conversation continues a bit about that, but then switches into like more of what the plan is. But in the background, not even really in the background, but you can still see that while Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is listening, he's like looking down at Toby's wrist. Like, how does that work? <laughs> like he's still distracted by it. Yeah. It, take, it <laughs> takes, it takes him a few seconds to snap out of it, to go back to the talk, talk, talking about the plan. Yeah. So, like he's still staring down at it. And then he kind of snaps up and like, looks at, looks at our Peter. Like, okay. okay yeah. <laughs> so that was great. Uh, and I, you know, the fact that we lean back into, to Peter's science skills, which we, we, 
have gotten a couple of times with this Peter. He is a very smart kid and stuff like that. We see that. Uh, I think the last time we maybe really saw it with with Peter was um, with our Peter in the MCU was when he's in the the suit building the the new version of uh, in in Far From Home. Yes. Uh, we see some of, uh, of his uh, 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 equipment and how he's he's well tuned and well suited for that. But we didn't really see that in in game. We didn't really see it a whole lot uh, in um, Infinity, Infinity War. War. Yeah. But to be fair, was there wasn't any room for that really? No, there wasn't. Uh, but I don't know that we saw it much in 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 the first Spider-Man movie in Homecoming. Homecoming. Either. I mean, no. we saw. I mean, like his ability to learn, like when he's learning about his suits abilities uh, and coming up with plans and stuff like that to, to sort of, you know, do things, but we don't, we got it like, it, it, and of course there being three Spider-Man, we, we got it like triple fold. Like, you know, our, our Toby's like, I've been thinking a lot about how to fix Doc Ock. And then Andrew just like Osborne. Sort of, Osborne. He said that was about Osborne. Oh, of, of Osborne. That's right. And then Andrew, Andrew talking just like nonchalantly about, oh yeah, I cured Blizzard once before I got this. <laughs> and then like, you know, the lab coat, the beakers, like the, the whole thing. We just get super science nerd uh, Spidey, which I, I didn't realize I missed until we got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, and I think that is important too, because especially now that at least for the, at least for a while, if not in def, you know, indefinitely, you know, with an asterisk, I mean that he's going to be cut off from the, fail safe uh when in doubt break glass to get to have access to stark tech which also makes you wonder what if he ever got the edith glasses back or not that it would matter anymore because they wouldn't know who he was <laughs> they probably, based on what we're under, based on how we understand the spell to work the edith glasses wouldn't work for him no matter what because nobody would remember who peter parker was <laughs> but it makes you wonder if he ever got him back after the after he was being investigated by you know for from the death of Mysterio, which was wrapped up way too quick, but we know why they did it because it couldn't hover over the entire movie. But yes, it's gonna it's gonna make him much more of a behind the scenes. You know, just give me a lab and a beaker and a few things, and I can like he was when when Tony Stark found him. Yeah, uh, trying to think else. Zendaya was good. Yes, I think this was probably her best her best overall performance in the of the three in the three movies. She was good in the second one too but i thought this was this was a little a little bit more nuanced a little bit more grown i mean all the characters are a little bit more grown up but i thought she was yeah i i did i did like the overall vibe that she brought to the table it also was good to know that you know as stupid as it was to, as we as dr strange points out that you know he's he's willing to to brainwash the entire planet before he even picks up the phone to try to call but that's because he's a kid and he doesn't know you can do these things but ultimately, he wanted to wipe out. He he cared less about the fact that he was potentially being ostracized for being Spider-Man as he was that all his friends were being kind of blackballed because they were his friends. Yeah, for so, social media. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought so that so that was a nice that was a nice touch. I thought I mean there weren't that many action sequences, but I thought most of the ones that we had were good. The bridge fight with Doc Ock was really good. The, I think the mirror dimension battle was pretty short, but it was but it was cool visually, and yeah, even a whole the, lot cooler visually than the trailer the trailer went on because they didn't the the trailers made it seem like it was happening somehow in a desert or some shit, as opposed to all the city stuff that was happening around it. Yeah, probably the CGI wasn't completed 
at that point. That's probably what it was. Or or there was or one of those things where they want to purposely mislead you into thinking, oh, it's like in the well, it makes well, when you think about it, part of it makes sense that because Doctor Strange does end up getting stuck in the Grand Canyon. So probably or maybe originally that's where they were supposed to truly be 100 percent fighting uh, because because that's where we find out he's he, he was stuck after being exiled. That scene was good. Even the the hand to hand fight, the first one between Green Goblin and and Tom Holland, that was really good. Uh, the one that led to Aunt May Aunt May dying. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't kill off Toby because I know one one of the things one of the rumors going around was that Toby did get killed, and it doesn't mean. And maybe in one version of the movie he was supposed to get killed. Um, I, they probably no matter what they made the right call in not having that happen but it is typical nor i it was it was cool from a poetic justice perspective that tom holland was as close to spear and norman with, with his glider <laughs> uh and it was typical and it was appropriate and typical that toby would be the one that would stop him from doing that that was a nice that was a nice touch i think they didn't do as much obviously you know the lizard elect the electro being wrapped up in the power. That makes sense. I can see that Sandman just wanted to get home. So he really didn't have a dog in the fight either way. He'd go either way. He'd go with anybody as long as it was his chance to get sent back home. Yeah. But I think once he found out he was possibly going to die, his whole thing was to go home to his daughter. If he was going to die, that lost his chance to get home to his daughter. Well, I don't think it was just about getting back. It was getting back for a reason. Oh, oh, well, yes. He he was trying to get, but, but my but the point was for him he didn't want he didn't have any desire to stay here or to to, to get Spider Man or not even fight being cured he just wanted to get back home to his daughter yeah yeah and so that's why you know when he first thinks when he doesn't know what Peter you know what our Peter did to Electro that's why he kind of freaks out momentarily because he's because he's he's confused and he wants to be you know he just wants to he knows something's wrong. He just doesn't know the, you know the extent of what's wrong yet. But then he gets afraid that, oh, maybe what the hell did you just do? Did he just kill Electro or this guy? I mean, but then when he realizes that, oh, you know, Peter's trying to when they all understand what's really going on and Sandman's fine with it as long as he gets sent home. So he that's why even when he's at the end fighting with the bad guys, he, you know, his heart's really not in it. Lizard's the one that's he's probably the least ridiculous. Other than Norman, he's the one on the surface that seems the least redeemable as far as what his overall goal is. It it was really entertaining. It was relatively fast moving too, considering how long the movie was. It really doesn't didn't feel that long, which is a good which is a good sign, especially when you're sitting there. I've seen it twice so far. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to see it again. I I don't know. I mean, I definitely agree with you. I I was for some reason sort of expecting. Uh, Andrew and Toby to show up more last minute. I wasn't expecting the whole MJ and Ned are the ones who bring them into it. I wasn't expecting that whole interaction or, you know, Ned's uh, abuela asking him to <laughs> clean the clean the spider webs while he's up there. Or any of that other stuff. Um, I thought that was all, you know, great character moments and stuff. And I like how both both Andrew and Toby just immediately respect her. And are like, yes, ma'am. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you you don't you don't mess with a La, uh, Latina woman, man. <laughs> like of any age. Uh, <laughs> yes, ma'am. I'll do what you say. Uh, I was I was half expecting for her to like take off her sandal and wave it at them. <laughs> uh, but I know I I I I did like that. 
one thing I did, I wanted to make, I just thought about it. Uh, so I want to make sure that we didn't miss it. I thought it was really interesting how all this fucking speculation went into what the black and gold Spider-Man suit was. And if, if, if Dr. Strange was going to build this sort of magical sort of merging of, you know, Spidey tech and Spidey features, but also magic. And it's, it's just his suit inside out. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that, that is, that is fun. That I will. It is somewhat disappointing, but it is funny and it, and it makes sense. Yes. It's just, it's just, yeah. Between suits, be, between suits being damaged and people throwing green goop on him. He's like, he's, he didn't have many options at the time. <laughs> It's funny. It may, like I said, it might have been a slightly disappointing because you may have thought that, oh, that 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 suit had some real, you know, scientific purpose to it. But yeah, that that. But it is, t- yeah, it is typical Peter Parker on some level. So I think so that that was that was funny. Uh, I do agree. I had heard rumors before about. I had I had heard actually rumors long before uh, scenes actually and stuff on YouTube actually came out. But I had heard for a while that Ned and MJ were involved with getting the other Spider-Man. I, but it seemed from what I had heard more that that was like that was their mission, that they were being sent mm. there. Not necessarily by Peter, but they were being but that as opposed to how it happens in the movie where they're really just looking for him. And he and Ned just sling rings the uh, portal open and that's yeah. how you end up getting them. But I but it didn't. But it didn't. When I saw the confirmation of that, when I saw those scenes, like the day or so before the movie came was actually released here, uh, the Garfield scene and things like that, with, it, with audience reactions to it, and that it that at least it was like a partial confirmation that yeah, at least for what you heard was at the basic gist of what you heard was accurate that they, that that was part of their role, even if it was inadvertent as it turned out to be, that their role was um, to help find the other the other Spider-Man who had obviously had been pulled into the our universe before Doctor Strange put the multiverse breaks on more people coming through, which obviously Venom was one of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, might as well talk about that, huh? Uh, well, we didn't have to jump to Venom yet, but it's just the fact that, but obviously people are you're 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 brought into the multiverse, I guess, where you were in your you know in the same location of where you were when you know if I'm your multiverse. So Venom was in Mexico in his universe and he's brought into Mexico in our universe, which is why he really plays no role in this movie whatsoever and just spends hours getting drunk at a bar, getting <laughs> being told everything about this, the Avengers in this, in this, this world superhero lineup. And then he gets sucked back and leaves a piece of Venom. And <laughs> he leaves a piece of Venom behind. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that. I mean, but but also like then the the whole Andrew. I want to fight an alien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is all that with Andrew was funny. It's like, and, and again, I like that. It's like they're. I mean, it, on one level, it was kind of shitty because they're making. They are clearly making fun of what is. I think most people would, rightly or wrongly, the general consensus probably is that he is the third Spider-Man in, in the in the rankings overall. And I mean, as a, and I'm not talking whether he was a better Spider-Man than Toby, but not a better Peter Parker. I just mean overall, as far as how when people rank the overall Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, and you have to give a ranking for you know for one ranking for for the combo that they played, that Garfield is probably going to come up third in almost in almost all all rankings. That they, they there are a lot of references to you know. 
the lameness of his villains and things like that, which is kind of shitty. But at the same time, I like the especially Toby trying to give him the affirmations like you're amazing. You're amazing. Say it. I want to hear you say it. <laughs> that, that I, but I, I, I think this movie actually, like, again, not not to cut you off, but just go, wrapping this back around with Garfield. The idea that I think it gives, even if he never comes back to, to be Spider-Man again anywhere, which he probably will, I would suspect. But even if he doesn't, they did a really good job giving him this his character and him probably closure that he kind of deserved. Yeah. But Venom, Venom fighting an alien. Was- yeah, uh, Venom, the fighting alien. Look, I I was I don't know what I watched. It 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 must have been late because it's at this point it's clearly fake footage. But I thought I saw something of like Tom Holland standing in a bathroom or something looking really haggard staring at himself in the mirror hearing a voice and mj like outside of a door trying to scream at him to let her in or something like that did you see that footage anywhere i don't think so i i could have sworn i saw that somewhere and like i said it, it, it because it's clearly not in this film it, there's no way it's a deleted scene uh just because of how the film is set up and everything and unless they really change the movie and there were actually was a point where peter got infected with with the symbiote but it it had me looking for it i guess for some reason i thought it was legit i'm a little peeved about it i mean granted look it makes it doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh you know we've already got sandman and electro and like all these others uh, so I, I, I get it. Plus this venom isn't necessarily a bad, bad guy. So it would just unnecessarily complicate things. He wouldn't be on the side of them. It would, it would, I, would it look weird if he was with the others? I, I, I get all that, but I was also kind of let down by it. I mean, it, it, don't get me wrong. There's a piece of the symbiote in the MCU. Fantastic. Glad that that's a possibility now. Glad that door has been opened. That being said, I was hoping more would come out of the venom we do know being in this universe, at least temporarily. Oh, I agree. I think it it obviously short term is like no payoff or for setup. At least it's a short term setup. At least it's not something that was set up, you know, like a couple of years ago or and this and it gets resolved in a way in a way so it well it still sucks that we just got the you know the tease of what of what could that could, you know that ending of let there be carnage what it could mean and then a couple of months later uh even though to be fair the gap would have been greater if if let there be carnage had come out on time <laughs> but still the reality is yeah i mean i but we we know there's still possibilities i mean we know that it's not like it can't happen that, that there can be a crossover between those characters, no matter whether it's secret wars, whether it's just another multi, another multiversal crossover. Cause we don't know what the state of the multiverse is going to be. I find it difficult to believe anything's going to happen. That's going to prevent multiverse travel. Certainly not in Dr. Strange. I'd be stunned if that's, if something happens in Dr. Strange that magically, no pun intended affects the ability going forward that nobody can travel between the universes. I'm sure there's going to be some payoff for it. You'll also suspect because it's Marvel and Sony seeming seemingly working together so much better these days that they have to have a plan for for what exactly what they want to do with that with that piece of symbiote. Well, I mean, honestly, uh, if if anybody out there is because I know you haven't been reading, but you're also just a Marvel guy, so I'm sure you saw all the crossovers. I'm I'm let's say I'm more than fifty percent sure 
this means we're going to get some version of King in Black, Null the symbiote god. Because Marvel is liking to go bigger and bigger and cosmic and cosmic. I don't, I, I think, yeah, well, Venom, if we continue this universe with, with, with this, this Spidey and, um, and that becomes a factor, will we get like a Spidey Venom thing? Sure. I think it will go beyond that and we'll get like what the symbiote planet is. Uh, clan, I, I can never say the word like Clanatar. It, it's K-Y-L-A-N-T-A-R or something like that. The home world of the symbiotes, because much like Necron, this is this is sort of really high thousand foot level without getting in this in the specifics. The the king in black, Null, K-N-U-L-L, is the god of the symbiotes, is essentially a god of darkness and death that sort of existed long before light came into the universe, kind of a thing. So I would not be surprised with the MCU going as cosmic as it does with the biggest, the huge kind of threats that this Spidey has already encountered with the fact that this symbiote is here. I would not be surprised if we're setting up Spidey for his own big cosmic thing uh, in Null. Now, does that mean they go full King in Black where like it affects the whole MCU? I don't know. I think MCU has got other shit on their hands. But I would not be surprised if we go a step beyond Venom to the more cosmic symbiotes as a whole and their whole lore. I could see that. I also don't know. I'm torn because it would seem what they want to do with Spider-Man MCU wise for the next at least few movies will be much more smaller. It seems like he's obviously still tied to the MCU if they had really wanted to. If Sony and Marvel, whether they have a new deal in place or whether they just have a framework and they haven't signed it yet or whether it has been signed, like I said, and we just don't have we haven't been given the terms yet. The reality is, well, well, one thing we do know is Marvel still has one use of Spider-Man left. They have not used up their their final use of Spider-Man in an MCU movie that they got from the last extension. So they have that in their back pocket. But it seems is the magic word that they want to go smaller with Spider-Man and not have him be as maybe be more grounded, which again, will still have ties to the other, to the MCU. You would think, because again, that's what Sony gets out of the deal or else they, or else Marvel is just gets win-win for using him. And Sony gets money from obviously Spider-Man movies, making tons of bank, but Sony also gets the benefit of bringing, having MCU characters cross over. Mm-hmm. So I still, I don't know if they, if, I think they could do something like that, but if they're going to, I see that probably being bigger with more tie in when they start kicking Spider-Man back up a notch. I don't, I, I don't know how you would do that. And if you wanted to, it's like, it would be doing like a bargain basement blackest night when you didn't want to have a crossover into a lot of stuff. Uh, it would be hard, especially right now, since Spider-Man's been ripped down, you know, to such a low level. But I think it's possible. I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of, there's lots of possibilities. You would, you would kind of suspect that you would have Spider-Man, like you kind of mentioned Spider-Man interacting with the, with the symbiote himself first. And then, and that could, that could set the stage for something, but you also, but you don't know what their, you don't know what their plans are. And that's what in a way makes it interesting is the fact that they clearly have plans. We just don't know. We just don't know what their plans are. And Sony 
clearly wants to keep and, and it would be would always have been stupid for them not to do this that they made it, it by the end of this movie they made it crystal clear that <laughs> they do want spider-man in the mcu because it would have been real easy just to have the spell cast that took spider-man out of the mcu yeah temporarily instead of saying make everybody forget peter parker that yeah, i'm so sorry i didn't know i was just gonna say they could he could have just said send 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 me send me to a world where nobody knows peter nobody knows peter parker or spider-man or there is no peter parker or spider-man just send me to that world he could have done something like that and technically technically the spell probably still would have worked so and even though they may, the MCU doesn't look like they have any short-term plans to use Spider-Man unless the Fantastic Four movie, which would make sense, considering who's going to be directing it, unless that's going to be the movie they're going to use Spider-Man in. It's like it's, it would still looks like a long time before we're going to have a big, big MCU movie that Spider-Man is going to be a part of. Yeah. So maybe this is a good pivot to the, the Doctor Strange trailer. Um, do we think... Then based on everything we see here, based on what happens with Peter at the end of this movie, this is sort of the MCU version of no more mutants. You know, it just, I mean, it's, there's no more Peter Parker. <laughs> no, I know. I, I, it's probably more when you think about it, it's probably more of their version of uh, like brand new day. Oh, I mean that, yeah, that's right. I totally forgot about brand new day, but, but you, but what you're saying could be, even if it turns out to be in reverse, could be something that comes out of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So you're not wrong in the connective tissue. I think it, I can I see where you're going with it. I, I, so I do spiritually, yes, it probably is. It's a relative. I think if you're looking for a direct storyline, it probably is closer to like Brand New Day and that that whole thing, making it Peter and MJ and everybody have so much. This whole aspect of Peter Parker's existence just get 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 wiped out and. Of course, the big question to me is, and they probably do have a plan for this if they decide to, to uh, do they do they actively plan on undoing this at some point? Not that whether they can and whether they have an out in their back of their minds. Well, if, this is how we'll do it if we we decide to whether they actually want to do it, whether this is like something that they want to put Peter through for a while. But eventually something will happen that will make either make everybody remember Peter Parker, Spider-Man or just or just make again, everybody everybody just gets their memories back period. And whatever, whatever they knew, you know, they know. So. Yeah. Um, so speaking of the trailer, I think the interesting thing about the Dr. Strange trailer is, and of course we're not going to know this until May is whether it's an accurate, an accurate depiction of as much as you get, you know, in a teaser trailer. Are the dynamics at work as in who's going to be good, who's going to be bad, or is it like a lot of people think and some of the, and a lot of the rumors were certainly before the reshoots for Dr. Strange, that this trailer is, is very much complete misdirection and Wanda is still going to be the big bad in, in, in this movie. But clearly this trailer is going out of its way at the very least to make it clear that she's not. So to me, that's, that was the more intriguing thing about this trailer that you know was the you know the inclusion of you know strange supreme and things like that was that is that just a red herring and or more of an homage and uh to the popularity of what if and to remind people who would who would watch that who this character is and make people think that oh that's going to be the that's going to be the big threat because it's not like we didn't see 
a, a good Doctor Strange fight Strange Supreme in that story? Or is it just misdirection at the end of the day, regardless of what Mordo says at the end, that Wanda, even if she's being manipulated, that Wanda is the one who is really the biggest threat in this movie. But I thought it was for what it was. It was I mean, there wasn't a lot visually to get to get awestruck about one way or the other. But it is a teaser. It works. And I think it worked well, considering it was at the end of, the, of no of No Way Home. I think that that, that was pretty smart. Based on the contents of this movie, I think it was smarter ultimately to use that as an after credit scene as opposed to just releasing the trailer and, and having it be like the either the last trailer or second to last trailer, because Sony probably still would have wanted Morbius, even though it got delayed again. They still would have probably wanted the Morbius trailer to be the last one. I thought I liked it, but I it still makes me nervous. The idea of if they really make Wanda really, really bad, like irredeemably bad, bad that's going to bother me. So that's what I may have a go a long way to whether how much I like that movie. It's what they do with. And also, and it also makes you wonder whether Wong is going to be killed, even if it's temporarily, just so Doctor Strange can get get his Sorcerer Supreme title back <laughs> since he lost it by on a technicality for being blipped. <laughs> yeah, I just think uh, what, what's really funny to me is how they like this trailer really shows us how we're going to reference the Disney plus stuff within the MCU proper films. Right. Uh, and which is almost like just not at all because Dr. Strange walks up to Wanda and he, she's like, I knew I'd see you sooner or later. And he goes, I'm not here to talk about Westview. And that's it. Like done moving on. Well, yeah, but, but if you'd never it, seen it, you still, I mean, yeah, you'd be going, yeah, well, huh, what? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know. But that being said, a few minutes later, the big, like, reveal is Strange Supreme, which was the animated version. You're right. Like, the animated thing is a more important drop than the live action thing that started the whole Disney Plus stuff. <laughs> that That's really funny. developed Wanda, gave her this costume, like, this whole thing, explored her magic side, blah, blah, blah. That is a, I'm not here to talk about Westview, but we get the, oh shit, Strange Supremes here from that cartoon we saw. <laughs> yeah, there is, there is a little bit of an unevenness there, yes. <laughs> uh, Mordo was cool. Mordo looked cool. It do, like yeah. I said, it, it does make me wonder about, makes me nervous about Wong, uh, whether Wong's going to make it out alive. Because, you know, at some point, Doctor Strange has to be the Sorcerer Supreme. Now, again, like I said, it could be a technicality because it's not like it's not like Wong didn't die in the original Doctor Strange movie. He kind of did. <laughs> yes, we know he doesn't have the stone anymore to just to turn it back. But the point is, it, there still could be other ways to, for him to come back. But it does make me nervous because but it does also help explain explain Wong's role like in Shang-Chi and things like that a little bit more because why he's so active and he's in all these different places because of the fact that. I mean, it doesn't explain why he's fighting the abomination in the pit. There's, there's, we still have, there's still a big X factor to explain what, what the, what the rationale was that for? What was that accomplishing? But it does explain why he's so much more active in dealing with, you know, all these different people here and there, uh, that he seeming, than he seemingly was before. And it's like, oh, cause he got a promotion. Yeah. I mean, that all makes sense. I just, uh, I, I really like the, Oh man, I already forgot his name. Not Wong, the other guy with the long hair, the dreads. Used to be Mordo. Mordo, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like the the verbiage they gave Mordo. 
in this trailer because it really fits with any of the Doctor Strange stuff. He could be talking like if you hadn't seen Infinity War and uh, and this movie and you know Endgame and all that other stuff, he could still be talking about the manipulation of reality as done in Doctor Strange. Right. Or he could be referring to in some way uh, Endgame and uh, Infinity War and Endgame. Obviously, because of this film, he's you know more referring to all of it. Um, but I, I do I do like that because through everything Doctor Strange has done, uh, it's like a continuation of his. Uh, I guess Mordo would call it uh, his his neglect of uh, you know universal law and stuff like that. Just a repeated offense again and again. That that was an interesting thing that you know. That, you know, in, in some ways, you know, Mordo is not only now against Doctor Strange, but he was also like going out and stealing the bits of magic from other people and things like that. So and it's been a, I mean, let's let's face it. It's been a long time since the first Doctor Strange movie. So where the f- is Mordo? Uh, is it, it what's he been doing? Is has, has his plan been working and all of this stuff? So when when we got to the point finally where Mordo is going to come back, which is going to be this film, it would almost be like, who? What was his beef with Doctor Strange again? If this this pattern of behavior hadn't so obviously continued with Doctor Strange through since the first Doctor Strange movie, if that makes any sense. No, it does. Yeah. That I mean, because clearly you can look at you can look at Doctor Strange and his and his pattern of behavior, and along with his arrogance, obviously, that the reality is no pun intended that you could make you certainly make the case that yeah he doesn't he doesn't know when to stop yeah that he just he take he pushes things to to a whole nother level and that eventually that so when yeah so when mordo is make when mordo is making that statement that yes it's it's just a blanket statement in his view of dr strange but yes specifically they i mean obviously they cut it into the trailer to give a different kind of impression but the idea that it could mean almost anything, just his overall pattern of behavior that you are, you know, because of the way you, of your disregard for or your blatant use of magic whenever you want and the way in your selfishness and your arrogance that you are the biggest threat to the universe, that it could be applicable just as a general statement. So, yeah, I mean, I'm. Uh, Mordo's role in the movie, I'm, I'm, is one of the more interesting things for me. I'm, I'm, all the reshoots make me nervous because you, and one, even if I like the movie we get, it still makes you wonder what the movie was that we didn't get. <laughs> but I just don't want, if want, I just, I really am gonna have a hard time if Wanda's really, really bad. It's just you go through all this character development and you get, you know, and you, and you flesh her out more than she's ever been fleshed out before in that TV show, and then. To make her really, really be bad, that would be, I would have a, I would have a problem with that. But I liked it enough to get the Lego mini figure of her in that costume, <laughs> the Scarlet Witch outfit. Yeah, yeah, I have the pop in that outfit. It is, a, it is a, it is a cool costume, and and in, it is, it is very cool. Now you, you didn't, you couldn't watch Hawkeye because you don't have Disney Plus. No, uh, so. I, I, I've talked on here before. I'm not, I'm, I, I swear, guys at home, I'm not trying to brag about. And I, I do really not try not to talk about specifics in regards to finances, because 
in some ways, I think it's okay to have an open discussion about your income and stuff for making sure everybody is paid equally and, and, and fairly and stuff. But like, no one wants to hear, I just got a check for X amount of dollars or whatever. But the way my, my job works, we have, we participate in something known as profit share. Um, so usually that means, you know, you know, obviously the company gets profits throughout the year. And then, you know, at the end of the year, we get a certain percentage of that. And that comes in the form of a check. And in the past, that's been anywhere. I mean, it's a certain percentage of your annual salary. So for me, it's been like between four to 5,000, something like that dollars, uh, which is always a nice little thing at the end of the year. Um, uh, it usually, it usually historically had happened like at the beginning of December, which is great because it's like, Oh, great. <laughs> I don't have to worry about buying Christmas, being able to afford Christmas presents for the crazy amount of people I got to buy it for. Um, but this year for some, especially be, well, because of the pandemic and stuff, they split it up so that we got half of it like around summertime to help people who may need, you know, extra cash for whatever reason. And then instead of getting it the, the second half in December, I'm going to be getting that at the end of Jan at the end of this month. So like on the 31st, so it'll be included with my regular paycheck. Um, so at that point, I'll decide if I want to pay for another service, because if I do, I'm going to pay for a, a full year. I'm not even going to do the monthly thing because, but I just like, you know, I'm already paying for HBO max. Do I want to see Hawkeye? Am I interested? Like, cause I've been seeing lots of uh, trailers on um, YouTube for the Boba Fett thing. I'm definitely interested in that. Uh, so on and so forth. So there's, yes, there's stuff I want to see, but at the end of the day, like I'm really wrestling with how many platforms do i really want to pay for which will eventually be the end of or the merge the end of a lot of these individual services anyway they're going to have to merge or because it's people are not going to be able to afford even in even if you have some of these services that are only like 7.99 or something a month eventually yeah you're not people are not going to be able to and that's just it with the with the bonus i'm talking about like i'm i i would have a, it's really no big slice out of that bonus for me to pay for an entire year of disney plus but i'm still sitting here thinking about yes i can afford it but do i really want to pay for this many different digital based things uh, i don't know depends it depends on for the it really comes down to the content i mean we know i mean you're not as big you know, you're not as big into Star Wars, so Star Wars isn't as much of a draw for you when it comes to Disney+. Plus. I mean, I like The Mandalorian. I love the right. way it was shot, the feel, which seems to be continuing with this Boba Fett thing in terms of the trailer I saw. Yeah, so Boba, I'd, be, I'd be really interested in seeing that, at least, giving it a shot. And there's stuff coming for Star Wars, which is – but I'm just saying, generally speaking, that's not your thing. So it comes down to, yeah. comes down to, the, Mar- to the Marvel stuff. And also – Arguably, with the Marvel stuff, we've already gone through the first part of Phase Four, which was really real, depending all on characters we already knew. And yeah. now we're going to be entering into with a whole lot of characters that we either have never been introduced to, or there's not as strong ties to, other than maybe Secret Invasion, which again, it's hard to know what that's going to be like because you would suspect there's going to be a watered down version of the comic book storyline because it's a because just because it's a TV show. But but with Ms. Marvel and She-Hulk and Moon Knight, which still looks interesting. Yeah. But these are all. But this, it's like eighty dollars a year if you decide because my renewal just got hit. I just got charged with my renewal like a couple of days ago. I would say the reason why I mentioned it, Hawkeye's really good. I think Hawkeye's probably. 
I still have strong attachment to WandaVision, maybe because it's the first show, even though we know tonally it is completely its own animal. But I think Hawkeye might be my favorite. It's a, it's so short, and the first two episodes I liked but didn't love because because of the pacing. But because of the chemistry between Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld, and then later on, you know, minor spoilers when uh, Florence Pugh ends up entering the show that the chemistry is just so strong and it's, and it's just a fun show. So I, so you all, you certainly would enjoy that. Honestly, Boba Fett for the first, first two episodes is nothing to write home about. It's not bad, but it wouldn't be anything you'd be needing to rush out to watch. <laughs> that That's a perfect example of a show where if you had planned on watching it, but even, but not intentionally, you, you had bumped into spoilers for the, for the first two episodes before you got to watch them you really wouldn't have anything significantly spoiled for you. That would break your heart. Yeah. For, for, for me, it's Marvel is the main thing. It's just like, it's, it, which is again, the reason I got HBO max is it's DC's platform. And we know I'm a DC person over a Marvel person, but at the same time, I am extremely interested in everything the MCU is doing. And regardless of how I would rank the Disney MCU stuff, I still by and large enjoyed each of those series and it's in their own ways. I don't think WandaVision is my favorite as it is yours. Uh, honestly, it may be last for me, just in terms of overall enjoyment. Uh, it's sort of tied for last with Falcon and Winter Soldier. At the same, I'm I'm still curious, like when She-Hulk am I am I personally interested in She-Hulk the character? No. Am I interested in seeing what the MCU does with that character, how it works, how it fits in with the universe? Yes. Same with all the other things, Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, all the other ones. I'm very curious to see what they do, how they do it, how it how it reads, how the general audience reacts uh, versus comic book fans and all this stuff. How does it work for me? Because now we're starting to get into the weeds where I don't know anything about some of these comic book characters, despite being a comic book fan. We're finally getting to the point where we're getting to characters I really haven't touched much like Moon Knight. I have a very basic understanding of Moon Knight. I haven't read him, I don't think, in a comic at all. So my knowledge is would be akin to, outside of his origin and sort of the generalities of him, just the general public. How would I receive said, said TV series? How's it going to work? What's it going to look like? like Clearly, I'm very curious, but again, at the end of at the end of the day, regardless of curiosity and the depth of said curiosity, I just don't know if I want to pay for another platform. No, I get it. That's how I that's how I feel. Honestly, that's how I feel a lot about HBO Max, that some things pop up on HBO Max that I like. And there's some shows that I've been watching and and yeah, I'll watch the uh I'll try the Game of Thrones prequel when it when it's when it shows up. But I can't say I'm in love with HBO Max. I can't honestly say that if I didn't if we didn't know the Green Lantern show was coming yeah. and that I would probably assuming, you know, we, me, us, one of us is we're still doing the show when that happens, I would have to watch it. So the reality is the idea of canceling it and getting in coming back to it. And that still might get to a point where I want to do that. I mean, let's be honest. They're going to lose, they're going to lose a lot of um, subscribers because the day and date release program is done. They got a yeah. shit ton of subscribers from people knowing that all their first run movies last year were going to be available 
on the on HBO Max, and that's not the case this year. So this is going to be a very interesting year for HBO Max because they're going to because they're going to have a hard time keeping. Forget about growing their subscribers; they're going to have a hard time even keeping. I'm going to. I'd be stunned if they could keep even 85% of what they had last year because you know they're going to lose a big chunk of change for people who just got it. I mean, I'm not saying that was the only reason we got it, but we knew it was a bonus when we when we were getting it a little, you know, a little earlier than this time last year when we found out when we were recording that day that hey, it's available now for like Amazon devices. That we knew that all the first run movies at that point were going to be on, and that's a that's yeah. that more than makes up for the for your. The normal standard fourteen ninety nine membership. Yeah, honestly, may, I mean, we're, it, the, the episodes at risk of being long, anyways. But I wonder if we should we should include in our you know movies we're looking forward to in in the coming year episode. Also, taking a look, not not feature by feature or whatever, but like generally speaking, what's coming to HBO Max in twenty twenty two? What's coming to Disney Plus in twenty twenty two? And which of the two is more intriguing? I don't have an issue doing it. I don't know if I don't know if you if you want to prep to do that with the movie episode, only just because it might take a lot might take more research than we might want to do. Yeah. We could try it. We could technically see how much research we get done, and then see how much time we have left. And because it probably that probably would be a sizable segment, though. So it might yeah. be something that we could just do. We you know if we. We like a do, like a like a bonus episode addendum, a little thirty minute thing we can record. <laughs> or, or if we if we do, let's say we do something like DC versus if we do DC versus vampires like three and four or something, and we do that only and that's only like a let's say we like a forty minute segment, and then we can afford to have another half an hour segment or something. Sure. Uh, plus, we have t- if the more the more time we have for prep on it, then we can m- make it more succinct about the at least the doing like a high, even if it's like a highlighted list for us of things that we know that are coming that we're, that we're looking forward to. Disney plus is a lot HBO max. I think on the surface would be a little harder for me to know. I mean, I know some things that are coming, but, and obviously now that they have the annoying habit of running commercial, their own HBO commercials before every time you try to watch something these days on HBO max that I get, which is, if you've ever had HBO, you know, that's not uncommon, but it is kind of annoying on the streaming service. The fact that they have to do that in front of like everything these days, no matter what you're watching, there's usually like a five or 10 second or five to 15 second blurb on stuff that's coming. But, but yeah, uh, but you know, HBO max is not, I'm not as thrilled with HBO max, especially when you, you take away the, the first run stuff. So we will get to watch free guy on that. Woohoo. Mm-hmm. So before we completely segue away from Spider-Man, we probably should talk about the money because we kind of didn't do that. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, it'll be ever so brief that, needless to say, Spider-Man's making a shit ton of money. <laughs> it, so domestically, clearly, most people probably know this at this point, that it had, this, it had the second biggest opening ever. It surpassed Infinity War. Clearly nowhere close to Endgame. No one ever thought it was ever going to get that. We're going to be hard-pressed to find to get to a movie. I'm not gonna. Say, I'll never say never because there's one. If we ever get back to a complete normal movie-going environment, there could be a movie that is enough of a build-up where people where they're gonna draw that much interest in the opening weekend. But you know, 350 like 55 million dollars. That's gonna be a tough record to break anytime soon. But the mere fact that Spider-Man, a solo, 
solo in quotes because we know it was such it really was such a big it almost it was an event movie no matter how you label it it's an event movie even if it's just a non-avengers movie it still was an event movie that that spider-man itself making that much money domestically the fact that it's as as the numbers i'm looking at right now it's just a hair under 1.4 billion dollars worldwide it's made about 760 billion dollars from internationally and about 632 domestically and that's really good and no china so we can never count on it if it tuna i don't i don't know if spider-man was a movie that was supposed to be getting a chinese release at some point but a lot of movies have supposedly been going to get a chinese release and they never and they haven't so it's probably safe to for for disney not to be able to count on any of that money though it does make you wonder what this movie could have done if not for any hint of the pandemic so the pandemic really has an impact the pandemic has only impacted spider-man from the perspective that certain places their theaters were never completely open they were social distancing like canada i think they started some of their some of their theaters are closing again but from that perspective that's the only impact that it's had it had no impact on people wanting to go see the movie and up to this point certainly in the u.s it has had no impact in people going to the movie this movie it dropped like about I think it dropped around 70% in week two, but it had, but it only dropped like 34% in week three. So it's having a really, really, really good hold. But it does make you wonder. I mean, certainly realistically, I don't know where it's going to end up, but it's probably safe to say it would have cracked or has had a really, really good chance to crack $2 billion if it had a normal China release. That's almost a foregone conclusion. It would have done that because it's still probably going to end up, I'm going to guess like 1.6, 1.7 billion at least unless there's a dramatic shift in the box office because of because of covid and then in the next few weeks that so it, going over 2 billion probably would have been a foregone conclusion with china i'd be curious to see how well it does how well how it ends domestically considering i think it was already like the last time i checked i think it was already like the number 9 domestic movie of all time let's see i'm trying to see if it's on this list that i'm looking at but either way it's I think it exceed, it's exceeded almost everybody's realistic expectation. I thought 200 million in that range might be, you know, might have been what it was realistically going to do heading into when it opened because of how big the Thursday into Friday was. People knew that there was a shot at that point that it could do. It could possibly get to Infinity War. And the fact that it did still better than the final projections because when they made the projections on Sunday for the weekend, it was still supposed to be below Infinity War, and it actually made a couple million dollars more, so it ended up going above Infinity War. So, needless to say, this movie had, you know, this movie has been—it's what everybody needed from a box office perspective. I think it's what audiences needed as a movie to motivate them to go see something, and it's a good audience movie to share with fellow moviegoers. And it's certainly what the industry needed. And Sony's done quite well this year, considering Ghostbusters for the cost did pretty well, obviously. Uh-huh. I haven't seen it yet, but I do have it um, on Vudu. I think I think you'll like it. I, t- I don't like making blanket statements because it is it it is like it is like the Force Awakens of Ghostbusters, but probably done a little better. That's what Ryan Ryan Daly and I I kind of we kind we kind of talked about or joked about that it is very much like the is a, it's the Force Awakens of Ghostbusters, but it but I think it it handles it a little better and kind of knows where it wants to go better. But Carnage obviously did really, really well too. So Sony, Sony really has done exceptionally well 
Yeah. And so that that's didn't, good. Didn't just Marvel in general. Like I thought I saw a headline. I don't remember the number, but like Marvel is responsible for like 30 something percent of all the box office profits for 2021. Yeah. Pro- I mean, I don't I don't I haven't seen that number, but it probably would make sense. I'll, because- to, I'll Google it. Because the reality is, you think you think about the you think about the the big movies that have made money like worldwide. I mean, F 9s like I think the only one that's really made. F nine and Bond are like the only two that I think have really done really really well. And I think actually I think both of those got China releases too. I think F nine did. Here we go. Uh, um, in numbers reported by the Wrap, uh, Marvel's share of the North American box office in 2021 was an astounding 30 percent. And what was the date um, on that? Uh, let me link the actual link. The article by the Wrap was posted in on the second. Um, let's see. Was uh, this includes revenue from the f- five Marvel movies released last year? Black Widow, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Eternals, Spider-Man No Way Home, along with Sony's Venom Let There Be Carnage. In 2018, MCU movies claimed 18% of the domestic box office total. They're also somewhat cheating if they're including Venom. Yeah, that's true. Uh, as far as the analogy with MCU movies, because Venom clearly is not. It's a, it's a, it's a Sony Marvel movie. It's a Marvel movie. It's not an MCU movie directly. Uh, obviously, they're blurring the lines now. To a certain extent, Sony and Marvel are there, but that's true. Now, obviously, a, a tremendous chunk of that is almost all at the end of the day, probably probably three quarters of that might end up just being Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it says. Uh, well, oh, never mind. Never mind. Uh, just to bring context to it, I'll just uh, and not make that a weird segue. Uh, it says uh, the same can't be said for other theatrical releases. However, according to numbers from Box Office Mojo, 2021 as a whole brought in roughly 4.5 billion at the domestic box office. While this is significantly better than 2020's 2.1 billion, it's a far cry from the last pre-pandemic year, 2019, where the box office hauled in 11.3 billion. Yeah, I mean, it's Spider Spider-Man is like the Christmas gift everybody wanted because the fact that not just from an audience perspective just because it's 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 save it's like saving the year all i mean the year ended well october november december have been good at the box office even the eternals underachieving doesn't change the fact that it had a pretty decent opening for a movie nobody knew about not many people cared about even though it was an mcu movie but october was really a good month with venom and bond and halloween and to a lesser extent dune and things like things like that but Spider-Man is just Spider-Man is the first post-pandemic movie that that it if you look at how it's performed, you can't necessarily say there's a significant difference in how it would have performed if the pandemic had never taken place. The only asterisk asterisk to this is the fact that it would have had China money. So there is a so you can but you're looking at what how it's performed in the theater that it's been in. That's this is exactly what you would have expected this movie to perform as how the the, ju- the juggernaut that it is. I mean, Shang-Chi worldwide made a little bit under four four hundred eighteen million dollars. So domestically, you know, Spider-Man d- domestically, Spider-Man has already completely dwarfed the worldwide box office of Shang-Chi. Uh, yes, Black Widow, you know, Black Widow would have done better without the day and date release. And supposedly that movie lost arguably closest I, read, I saw. I didn't read the article. I saw the article today saying that Black Widow 
could have lost like around $600 million to pirating, which does, which could very well be true. But that also would have made more money if, if Disney hadn't done the day and date release in July. If that had just been a theatrical only release, that would have made that would have made more money. Yeah, I mean, it, it's good because it still shows that people like, you know, the, the it's a little, little too premature of the people that were wanted to shovel dirt on the movie going experience. Not just because of COVID, but just because, oh, people are used to watching stuff at home and and they're comfortable with that. And there's always pluses to that. But there are but event movies people do like watching together. And Spider-Man was Spider-Man was an event movie Whether Doctor Strange will be as much of an event movie. I don't know. I don't think it's gonna be as big as Spider-Man, period. I, I would bet that. But. I don't know what the interest in that movie is going to be. I think it's I mean it's going to do well, but I don't I don't I don't know. Maybe it's going to depend on what the trailers how the trailers build build that up. This I was an easy. I haven't even seen Eternals yet. Well, if you had Disney Plus, you better watch it next week. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. January twelfth. Uh, I will I will I will watch it again at some point. I'm not going to lie. I I haven't been conscious to watch Shang-Chi all the way through again, since it's been on either I've watched, I've started it multiple times, including sometimes when I knew I was going to fall asleep, but I've never watched the entire movie from beginning to end. And I like that movie. I'll watch the Eternals at least once more, but yeah. So the box office is ending very well. We'll see how January begins. Morbius got pushed back. It's been highly, it's debatable whether they got, whether they pushed it back just because of the COVID stuff. There's rumors, multiple rumors. That's not true. That's not, or that's not the primary reason why they're moving it back. Uh, Yeah. That one I'm very, very curious about. And they are allowing more time for it to breathe. Even if that's not the primary reason, even though that was some of the reports were that, they just wanted to get move it away further from Spider-Man because Spider-Man was just continuing to make a lot of money. And there's not a lot in January to derail it. I mean, I think Scream will do OK next week, but I don't think. But, you know, Spider-Man is still probably going to be making a decent amount of money every weekend in January. So I, it might it might have made sense to move it to move it for that reason. There, there's other rumors, too, about why they moved it. But we'll know we'll know soon enough. But the fact that. The movie going experience, certainly it was a big plus. Spider-Man was a big shot in the arm, no pun intended, too. And I think that that's that's something. And it was good. It would be different if it was a highly anticipated movie that really disappointed. But I think it was I think it was emotionally satisfying. And I think that's something that you can't say for a lot of the stuff, though, I think we saw in 2021. (laughs) For sure. I think that's as good a note to any as any to end on unless you had something else. No, I'm good. All right. You want to tell people uh, how to reach out to us? Lanterncast.com. The email is lanterncast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag geocast. You'll track us down there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We're on all of those. So please leave leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a text or a voicemail, the number to use is 708-LANTERN. 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. That's right. Uh, without giving dates, should we tell them what's coming up for the show in the next few episodes? Yeah, we can roll the dice, barring barring some uh, some change, which is always – our episodes are always subject to change until they're recorded. And so we will have our movie preview episode. That's that's on the docket. We will also be doing Green Lantern – is it 9 or 10? 9? 10. 10. Time mm-hmm. flies. Green Lantern 10. Uh, we will also be doing the 
future Green Lantern episode, describe that one to people, Chad, in case they forget. Yeah. That, that uh, so basically, it's been a while since we've done something like this, but uh, consider if, if if you're a listener of CGS, consider it akin to not as severely prepped as CGS tends to do it, uh, akin to a spotlight episode. So a, a good sort of you know placeholder name for the episode would be Spotlight on Future Green Lanterns. Uh, we're going to talk about basically the future of the Green Lantern Corps. Was there a Green Lantern that was attached to the Legion that appeared in what comic or was they not attached to the, it? And it doesn't even have to be Green Lanterns. We're just going to be talking about lanterns in the future um, because, uh, as some of you may or may not be aware, uh, the current Justice League arc is heading into a big event where it's even getting its own series Uh uh, is uh, Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes. And the solicits for all available issues thus far have put heavy emphasis, including the title of the arc, on the reveal of what has been uh, created uh, recently with... Uh, oh, who, who, who was responsible for the... Re- was it Bendis who did the recent Legion stuff? Uh, Whoever... I- Thinks uh, so, but I'm not 100% sure. The most recent Legion of Superhero stuff that we have gotten, there was a character created and shown in that we didn't get a whole lot of information on him, the Gold Lantern. Um, the Gold Lantern is the focus uh, among the Legion versus the Justice League story. So that comes out, I think it's scheduled to come out uh, next week or something that that issue uh, it, DC stuff, guys, it's uh, basically comics in general is having uh, a material availability issues, but yes, uh, you know, release date subject to change. So in preparation for the, we're assuming massive info dump worth of stuff. We're about to learn about the gold lantern. We figured instead of just doing an episode on everything we know about the gold lantern so far, Let's just do future GLs. So there's going to be a big old spotlight episode on future GLs. Should be interesting. And uh, we'll have uh, Dan on for that one. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I'm on. I'm on. I'm on uh, uh, League of Comic Geeks. I'm trying to find a, the whatever the most recent Legion series. What Legion of Superheroes? Here we go. Who who did it? Who did it? Who done it? That series was... Yes, it was Bendis. I should have just trusted my gut because I did read the first few issues of that. Yes, Bendis. Bendis is Legion of Superheroes. He introduced the Gold Lantern. So if you want if you want to prep for the Gold Lantern stuff, uh, because that is going to be a major part, even if you're not interested in the other future Lanterns, you can Google that yourself. Uh, check out the Legion of Superheroes by Brian Michael Bendis. I think it only went to 12 issues. Yes. Um, if you don't even want to read 12 issues, go to Dan's YouTube channel where he talks about everything we know about the gold lantern so far. And I think two different videos on his channel, which is mosaic comics. Always, always a good primer for sure. Yeah. He, he goes over everything we, we, we saw in this Bendis series. Um, so that'll be good. Um, but yeah, so GL 10, uh, movie preview up. Uh, future lantern stuff and then yeah whatever may come uh so speaking to all that stuff that mark said to reach out to us if you have 
any advanced stuff you want us to read on any of those episodes, uh, your own commentary or thoughts or whatever, you know what's coming in the very near future. Here's your window to get your feedback in now. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.